this week's ACCP Emergency Medicine PRN Journal Club presentation. I'm your host, Christian Kroll, an emergency medicine and ICU pharmacist at the University of Iowa Hospital and Clinics. To view this recorded presentation, head to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at ACCP EMED PRN. And for PRN members, slides can be found under the business document section on the ACCP Emergency Medicine PRN website. Well, thank you guys for being here. My name is Emily Montgomery, like Dr. Lewis said, and I am a PGY2 Emergency Medicine Pharmacy Resident at Tampa General Hospital here in Tampa, Florida. And today I'm going to be presenting on cefepime versus piperacillin tazobactam in adults hospitalized with acute infection, otherwise known as the ACORN trial. Neither myself nor my in- nor any of my advisors have anything to disclose for this presentation. Now, I know most of us on this call are pharmacists, so we are very familiar with cepapim and piperacillin-tazobactam, but for completeness sake of this presentation, I just wanted to include it here that both are beta-lactam antibiotics that provide broad-spectrum antibiotic coverage, both providing anti-pseudomonal coverage, cepapim being our fourth-generation cephalosporin, and piperacillin-tazobactam being our penicillin with a beta-lactamase inhibitor. So over the years, there has been controversy with each agent, cefepime being thought to have this increased risk of neurotoxicity, but piperacillin tazobactam being thought to have this risk of increasing acute kidney injuries in patients. So with that in mind, I wanted to first talk about a trial that looks at cefepime versus piperacillin tazobactam in acute kidney injury. So we will be talking about the MIANO trial. So the MIANO trial, otherwise known as the Association of Vancomycin plus Piperacillin Tazobactam with early changes in creatinine versus statin C in critically ill adults, was an ongoing prospective observational study conducted at the University of Pennsylvania. So this was part of a bigger project called the MESSI project, which is Molecular Epidemiology of Sepsis in the ICU. Patients were included if they are admitted to the ICU with severe sepsis or septic shock, meeting sepsis 2 criteria. And patients were excluded if they had a lack of commitment to life-sustaining measures, a lack of consent, end-stage renal disease, dialysis within 14 days before the index date, and or a baseline AKI. And this baseline AKI was considered to be greater than or equal to 1.5 times higher than baseline creatinine for these patients. For the intervention in this trial, they looked at patients who were treated with either vancomycin and piperacillin-tazobactam or vancomycin and cefepime for greater than or equal to 48 hours. So for the primary outcome, they looked at kidney function biomarker concentrations, so both creatinine and cystatin C, measured at index and at day two after a combination antibiotic initiation. And then our secondary outcomes were AKI through day 14, dialysis, and 30-day mortality. So cystatin C was chosen because it's a validated kidney function biomarker that does not undergo tubular secretion, and it's shown to identify AKI earlier than creatinine, especially in patients with sepsis. However, cystatin C can be affected by multiple different variables, such as body mass index, corticosteroid use, thyroid activity, cancer, diabetes mellitus, and solid organ transplantation. So we will just briefly talk about the results here since this is not the primary article of concern during today's conversation, but we had a cystatin C cohort and an antibiotic cohort. So the cystatin C cohort is looking at changes in cystatin with either vancomycin and cefepime or vancomycin and piperacillin tazobactam. And then our antibiotic cohort is looking at those differences in creatinine between the groups. 
So as you can see, for our cisstatin C cohort, for the crude cisstatin C, there really is no difference between the two groups. And then this IPTW is the inverse probability of treatment weights, and that is just how the authors adjusted for confounders in this trial. However, when you look at creatinine, both in the cisstatin C cohort and the antibiotic cohort, you do see a lower creatinine in the cefepime group compared to the piperacil and tazobactam groups. So furthermore, looking at their secondary outcomes, they looked at the Cadigo AKI at day 14, where you see a higher instance of AKI with the piperacil and tazobactam group versus the cefepime group. Mind you, the Cadigo AKI is usually based off of creatinine calculations. AKI requiring dialysis at day 14 actually favored the cefepime and tazobactam group versus the cefepime group, with the cefepime having a higher percentage of patients requiring dialysis. And then for mortality, there were no statistically significant differences in mortality at 30 days. So often this trial is thought to be a landmark trial because the authors concluded that the creatinine-defined AKI during the vancomycin and piperacillin-tazobactam may represent pseudotoxicity. So we did see an increased risk of creatinine-defined AKI, but there were no changes in alternative kidney function biomarkers or clinical outcomes downstream from a true, true AKI. So the clinical takeaway from this trial was that this combination of vancomycin and piperacillin tazobactam likely does elevate creatinine. However, this does not necessarily correlate with worsened kidney function. Now for the primary article of interest today is the ACORN trial. So this was the antibiotic choice on renal outcomes trial. This was a pragmatic open-label parallel group randomized comparative safety trial conducted from November 10th of 2021 to October 7th of 2022, looking at adult patients with suspected infection in the ED or medical ICU at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. And an interesting thing about this trial is they really utilize the electronic medical record integration, meaning that once the patients had these antibiotics ordered, the EMR would screen for exclusion criteria and if patient met inclusion criteria, it would fire an alert asking the provider to opt in or opt out of the trial. However, more, if the antibiotic was thus discontinued within the trial timeframe, it also would ask the provider the reason of antibiotic discontinuation. So the purpose of this trial was to assess if cefepime or piperacillin-tazobactam is better to decrease the risk of acute kidney injury and decrease the risk of neurological dysfunction. So they included adult patients greater than or equal to 18 years of age who were in the emergency department or medical ICU and had an order for cefepime or piperacillin tazobactam within 12 hours of presentation to the hospital. Patients could furthermore be eligible if they received other antipsychotic antibiotics as well. They excluded patients who had an allergy to cephalosporin or penicillin who received more than one dose of an antipsychotic cephalosporin or penicillin within the previous seven days, patients who were incarcerated, and then if the treating clinician determined that one of the medications represented a better treatment option for this patient. So to furthermore define what that could mean, it could mean more directed antibiotic therapy against a known prior resistant infection or suspected sepsis with associated central nervous system infection as we know cefepime crosses the blood-brain barrier. For our intervention, it, patients were randomized in a one-to-one -one fashion, but no stratification was done. Cefepime was dosed at two grams IVQ eight hours, given as an IV push over five minutes. And then our piperacillin tazobactam was dosed at 3.375 grams IV every eight hours. The initial dose was given as a bolus over 30 minutes. And then the subsequent doses were given as an extended infusion over four hours. This institution also had specific dosing protocols that were based off of GFR in these patients. 
So I won't go into all of the different cutoffs they had, but if a patient had a GFR less than 60, the cefepime interval would be extended to every 12 hours. And for the piperacillin and tazobactam group, once the GFR got less than 20, that would also extend to a Q12-hour interval. For our outcomes, our primary outcome was the highest stage of AKI or death appearing between randomization and day 14. So this was measured on a five-level ordinal scale, and the stages of AKI were defined using a Cadigo criteria for creatinine level. So a stage zero would be that a patient survived with no AKI. A stage one would be a creatinine that increased to 1.5 to 1.9 times the baseline or a greater than or equal to 0.3 increase in creatinine. A stage two would be a creatinine that increased to 2 to 2.9 times the baseline. A stage three would be a creatinine that increased greater than three times baseline or an increase of greater than four mg per deciliter or new kidney replacement therapy. And then finally, our stage four would just be death in these patients, patients who expired. For our secondary outcomes, they looked at the proportion of patients who experienced a major adverse kidney event at day 14. This was a composite of death, receipt of new renal replacement therapy, or persistent kidney dysfunction, so a final inpatient creatinine level that was two times more than baseline, and censored at hospital discharge or 14 days, whichever came first. And then our number of delirium and coma-free days was the other secondary outcome, and that was defined as the number of calendar days on which the patient was alive and without a positive assessment on the CAM ICU or RAS score of negative four or negative five and censored at hospital discharge. So looking at the statistical analysis in this trial, so power was originally set at 2005 patients needing an 80% of power. However, at the interim analysis, they noticed that 75% of patients were receiving concomitant vancomycin. So the safety monitoring board recommended an increase to the 2,500 patients you see on the screen, which would set power at 92% and detect an odds ratio of 0.75. This would be a modified intent to treat population and for the statistical tests used. For the primary analysis, they used an unadjusted proportional odds regression model. For major kidney adverse events, they used an unadjusted logistic regression model. And for the days alive and free of delirium and coma, they used an unadjusted pro proportional odds regression model. And here are a modified version of the enrollment and baseline characteristics between the two groups. So in total, we had 2,511 patients included. There are 1,214 in the Cefepim group and then 1,297 in the Piperacil and Tazobactam group. The median age between the two groups was about 58 years, and majority of our patients were white males. The intra-abdominal was the primary suspected source of infection, occurring about 25% of patients, and then about three-fourths of the patients had receipt of vancomycin. And then you'll see for mechanical ventilation and receipt of analgesia and sedation, there was a percentage more patients in the cefepime group than the piperacillin and tazobactam group at baseline. And there were also a percentage more patients having coma and delirium at baseline compared to the piperacillin and tazobactam group. And for our results, so first I wanna point out the acute kidney injury or death by day 14. So as you see, there's no statistically significant difference between the two groups with an odds ratio of 0.95 that is not statistically significant. So patients who did receive kidney replacement therapy previously could only score a zero to a four. So they determined that these patients could not get a repeat AKI if they've already received kidney replacement therapy. So that is why you might see higher numbers in the no stage or the stage four. And then for our delirium and coma-free days within 14 days, we do see that patients in the cefepime group had lower delirium and coma-free days compared to, to our Zosin group. Overall, the median time to hospital enrollment in both groups was 1.2 hours with an interquartile range of 0.4 to 
five. And there was a median of three days of antibiotic use. So an interquartile range of one to four in each group. And in the first 14 days, at least one dose of vancomycin was given to 82.7% of patients in the cefepime group and 80.9% of patients in the zosin group. And then patients received vancomycin for a median duration of about two days with an interquartile range of one to four days. And furthermore, to talk to our talk about our results, I know this is very hard to read, so I'm going to try to zoom in on it. But what I wanted to focus on is this sepsis subgroup analysis. So if you see on the farthest left column, the acute kidney injury ordinal scale, it does appear that cefepime would be favored. However, for the delirium and coma-free days, it does favor zosin or piperacillin-tazobactam. I apologize. So overall, the authors concluded that treatment with piperacillin-tazobactam did not increase incidence of AKI or death. However, treatment with cefepime did result in more neurological dysfunction as defined by the number of days alive and free of coma and delirium. So to further evaluate this trial, some strengths were that this is a real-world comparison of two medications that we often use as standard of care. Power was set and met even after the interim analysis with having more than 2,500 patients. Our statistical tests were validated in practice, and they did demonstrate appropriate inclusion and exclusion criteria. And furthermore, there were similar demographic data between the two arms. Some limitations, this is a single institution study. With our population being majority white males, I would say it would lack external validity and blinding was not present in this trial. For dosing and administration, I put this as a limitation because the cefepime was given as an IV push, whereas the piperacillin tazobactam was given as an extended infusion. As we know, beta-lactams, by increasing the duration that it's given, we can increase the time of the drug concentration over the MIC. So possibly by giving cefepime as an IV push, we are not optimizing the pharmacodynamics as much as we could like we were the piperacillin tazobactam. Furthermore, another limitation would be there was a lack of documentation of underlying neurological and psychological illnesses with these patients. So being able to assess their past medical history might influence the delirium and coma scores. And then for crossover study medications, almost one in five patients in each group received at least one dose of the unassigned antibiotic within the first 14 days. So this is going to increase our risk of that type two error. So overall, our takeaways from this trial are piperacillin tazobactam did not demonstrate an increased risk of an AKI. More patients in the cefepime group experienced neurological dysfunction. However, we do know a greater number of patients were intubated, received analgesia and sedation, and had lower RAS scores at baseline, which begs the question, was the cefepime group maybe just a sicker patient population? So overall, cefepime or piperacillin tazobactam would remain suitable in antimicrobial choices, and especially when it comes to acute kidney injury, I would not have a preference over either agent. Are there any questions? If you have enjoyed this presentation content and would like to hear more, subscribe via your favorite podcasting app. Additionally, make sure to check out our YouTube page for all recorded presentations. Thank you for listening to this week's ACCP Emergency Medicine Journal Club presentation. Join us weekly for review and discussion of new journal articles in emergency medicine. This podcast provides general information only and does not offer individualized medical or professional health care services, including pharmaceutical advice. The contents and materials in the podcast are not intended to be a substitute for inpatient pharmaceutical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And the use of the contents and materials in the podcast does not constitute a pharmacist-patient relationship. As a result, the information in and materials linked to this podcast are applied at the user or patient's own risk. Users or patients should consult their physician or personal healthcare professional. The user or patient should not ignore or delay seeking care because of something they heard on this podcast.
In case of an emergency, the user or patient should contact their physician, call 911, or go to the nearest medical emergency facility. The views and statements expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guest. It should not be interpreted to reflect the official position or policy of ACCP or the Emergency Medicine PRN.